Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. I'm your host, Jim Friend. Before we get started with our show, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Changing Our World. If you're involved with fundraising for a Catholic organization and you're looking to make a significant impact, Changing Our World can help. Their expert team provides custom philanthropic consulting services to help Catholic organizations create a lasting impression. Whether you're starting a new fundraising campaign or you're looking to improve an existing one, Changing Our World can offer the guidance and support you need to achieve your philanthropic goals. Just visit changingourworld.com today to learn more and check out the link in our show notes for easy access. Now, let's get to work. Well, welcome to Advancing Our Church. Father Joe, so glad to have you here today. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Before we get started, I'm going to go ahead and introduce you, Father, uh, and uh, we'll we'll read your bio here, and then we'll, we'll get into our conversation. Father Joe Laramie is the National Director of the Pope's Worldwide Prayer Network. He is a, which is a 175-year-old spiritual mission uniting our hearts to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the Sacred Heart of Jesus as we go into our conversation. Today, you are uh, from the Milwaukee area, and you travel uh, widely for your ministry, uh, ordained in 2011. You're also a national Eucharistic preacher for the Eucharistic Revival. Uh, you've taught at two all-boys high schools and served as a college campus minister. Uh, you've served in Mayan, vill Mayan villages in Belize, and has been featured on the Hollow App, EWTN, Busted Halo, and America, and now Advancing Our Church. And we're so glad to have you here today, Father. Jim, thanks so much. So uh, I, I, I've recently started kind of a fun new thing, which I picked up from a, a, another podcaster friend. Uh, I started out asking my guests, tell us one fun fact about yourself that is not well known. Sure. Uh, well, I can juggle. And Whoa. on top of that, I used to work at kids' birthday parties before I became a Jesuit. So this is back in cool. my college days. I would come and sometimes do magic tricks. Uh, I worked for a little company. I also did some costume characters. Uh, I was Batman. I was Barney the Dinosaur. Wow. So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, taught me a few things about being in front of a crowd, but, um, you know, Excited to speak about uh, more important things like you know, <laughs> Jesus and salvation instead of just uh, you know the Joker and the bad guys. Right. Well, I'm a I'm a big Batman fan, and uh, that, that's awesome. Uh, learning to juggle. So, are you still able to juggle a little bit when you need to pick it up? I do. You know, sometimes if I do a podcast and it's um, just audio, um, right? Actually, I'll juggle while I'm doing it just to kind really? of keep my hands occupied. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a kinetic learner. You're always moving a little bit. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, Father, I'm always interested to hear uh, vocation stories. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey towards the Jesuits? Sure. I am from beautiful St. Louis, Missouri. That's my hometown. Um, my parents are there, retired. My sister's married with three kids. Um, I went to an all-boys Jesuit high school called St. Louis University High, and then went to St. Louis University, uh, Catholic Jesuit College, and really just met some great Jesuits along the way. Um, even had some young Jesuits who are teachers at my high school. So even before ordination, we do some teaching to give us an experience of that. And then at the university, in fact, there were some young Jesuits doing some graduate studies preparing for ordination. So 
I even had a few classes with these guys. They were a little bit older than me, uh, seemed a lot smarter than me, but kind of like big brothers, you know, they were involved in campus ministry, um, led retreats, service projects that I was a part of. And I think more and more just felt like, gosh, these guys, uh, you know, they care for each other, they pray together, they serve together. And I think just really moved my heart to say, you know what, I think the Lord's calling me to at least give this a shot. And, uh, you know, 20 years later, I'm so glad he's led me here. Incredible. It, that really speaks uh, so much to the power of just role modeling and friendship and relationship building. And you found the right, you fell into the right crowd and they, uh, they, they, they mentored you through. That's incredible. Look at you now. That's mm-hmm. awesome. And now uh, you're the national director of the Pope's Worldwide Prayer Network and a 175-year-old ministry. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how that got started way back when? Sure. Um, yeah, really uh, a holy work. Um, so it is sponsored, founded by the Jesuit order, but we are a Vatican ministry. So under our, our Jesuit Pope currently, mm-hmm. which is uh, super exciting for us Jesuits, you know, it's sure. kind of like uh, if your big brother won the Super Bowl or something, <laughs> yeah. you know, kinda like he's the one doing the hard work, but we're excited to cheer him on. Sure. Briefly, we were founded in France in 1844 by a group of young Jesuits. So these guys were not ordained yet. And, you know, frankly, they see France at that time really struggling. Um, This is kind of the the first rumblings of basically modern secularism, as we might see it today. And they're sitting in libraries doing their Jesuit studies, right, preparing for ordination. They tell their superior, hey, we want to get out there like tomorrow and make a difference. You know, we're not priests, but we could we could do some teaching, some preaching, some service. Their superior gives them a famous homily and says to them, all right, brothers, I hear your holy desires. And Christ is calling you to be an apostle of prayer right now. And yes, down the road, he will lead you to be like the apostles, preaching, teaching, and as a priest. Well, this little image kind of sticks with them to be an apostle of prayer. They start doing a very simple daily offering of their hearts to the sacred heart for the salvation of all hearts, uh, especially for those out laboring in the missions. The sacred heart devotion is uh, very dear to the Jesuit order. Um, One of our great saints, St. Claude Colombier, is known as an apostle of the sacred heart. Anyhow, this little simple practice, you know, like many Catholic things, little mustard seeds that starts to take root. It spreads to other villages, schools around France, and then beyond. A short time later, the Pope says, you know what, I'm going to give you a monthly prayer intention to guide your daily offering. In this sense, that heart of Jesus, truly the heart of the church under the guidance of the Holy Father. And this practice continues today. So we get a monthly prayer intention uh, from the Pope that kind of guides our way of even looking at the world and the church, and then this simple daily offering. Uh, You can see my background here, maybe a little image of the Sacred Heart that's uh, certainly important to me. So I'm so excited to get to talk about the love of Jesus, um, devotion to the Sacred Heart, and the wisdom of the Holy Father. And uh, we invite everyone to join us in that daily offering. Oh, that's incredible. And um, how, how would our listeners be able to participate? I think you have a, a network or a YouTube channel in which they can tune in. Sure. You know, we're out there. Uh, what's the old sort of visa motto? Everywhere you want to be. That's where we are. <laughs> right. So 
if, if you see below my name there, I have our website, which is yeah. popesprayerusa.net. Mm -hmm. You can find us on social media, on YouTube. And uh, the Pope himself records a monthly video um, highlighting this prayer intention. Uh, right now, we're recording this in the month of July, and that intention is for a deeper devotion to the Eucharist. Yes. Um, you know, my gosh, I, <laughs> I want that for myself. I want yep. that for, you know, everybody I know. Um, other months, it could be something more dramatic. Uh, last month, it was for an end to torture. Um, my gosh, I can't imagine folks who've been through that terrible reality. Um, and the Pope highlights Jesus himself is, is tortured by the Roman soldiers, you know, that scourging and crucifixion. That's exactly what that was about. So, you know, gives us really a deep sense of this global mission of the church. You know, we're, we're around the world. Uh, Jesus is at work throughout the church around the world. And so, so honored to share in that mission with the Holy Father. Well, we'll make sure we put a, a link uh, to the website in our show notes. Father, I, I would think that um, in 2023, where we are uh, more of a global society and maybe more globally aware than any other generation in, in, mm -hmm. in, in history, uh, I would think that's not as big a, a stretch to understand the, 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 the larger far-reaching network of the Pope and, and our Catholic faith and our Catholic church and tradition. Are, are you finding that... Um, that participation has increased. I'm sure, obviously, social networking and YouTube and other kinds of mediums help to, to bring people together and, and pull them together in, in your work. Mm -hmm. I really love working with young people. Mm. Uh, you know, I've taught at two of our Jesuit high schools. I was doing campus ministry uh, at St. Louis University before taking on this new role. And, you know, I have several uh, college students who work in my office. Even I have a little kind of informal advisory group of folks in their 20s. You know, I think the worst thing in the world is when older priests try to guess what young people want right? and then put something out there that's, you know, just kind of lame and <laughs> not quite uh, on task. So I figure, hey, I want to, why don't they tell me what to put out there and then maybe I can uh, shape something that's really fruitful. Mm -hmm. I think they love this global sense of the church, um, praying with people around the world. Uh, the Pope as this ongoing uh, image of unity in the global church. And, you know, also the kind of the personal nature of this, too. OK, my heart united with the sacred heart of Jesus. Uh, the Lord loves me. Yes, he is uh, Lord of the whole universe, but also has a, you know, a special love for me personally. And myself personally, then I can make this little offering, um, uniting my heart with the sacred heart for the salvation of all hearts. Again, with this, you know, kind of personal connection with the Holy Father, I can watch a short video and feel connected with him. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think we have a really beautiful mission that's so needed in the world today. It's so well said, Father. I, I have, I'm the father of three young adults, and uh, us guys over 50 are can be lame pretty easily. And... Uh, <laughs> And, um, but what I, um, the way, I mean, I, I, what I get from them and, and just having a relationship with each one of them individually is, is they want to be seen, they want to be heard. Uh, and, and, and we know that our Lord sees them and hears them. And it's such a, so, so important. I love the, what you're saying about hearing them and then trying to reflect that in your work, in your ministry. It's so critical, mm -hmm. um, of every generation, but, uh, especially young, young people. Are, I, I, as you said, the, this month's prayer intention is for uh, Eucharistic life. And 
Uh, I know this has been a, a strong focus for our bishops and, of course, the Eucharistic Congress. Uh, do you see a greater focus on the Eucharist in the laity? I know you do parish mission work and, and work mm -hmm. with young people. Are you seeing a, a stronger focus out there in our parishes? Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Another uh, kind of side ministry I have is mm -hmm. I'm a Eucharistic preacher with yes. the National Eucharistic Revival. Uh, this is a beautiful, beautiful initiative of the U.S. bishops really coming out of COVID, right? So tough times for all of us. Uh, sure. Churches closed for several months in some places, you know, perhaps a full year. And when I talk to my buddies who are pastors, they say, you know what? I got fewer sheep in my flock now than I had in 2019. Again, some folks just got out of the habit um, or maybe they sort of started watching Zoom masses, which okay, you know, has a place when that's all we can do. Sure. But then maybe got accustomed to that a little bit too much saying, well, yeah, I can just have a donut in my bathrobe and watch mass. Well, okay. You know, if that's your only alternative, if you're homebound, then the Lord is merciful and understands that. But gosh, for a whole lot of us, like we need the Eucharist, you know, we are right. the body of Christ, the church. We have bodies. Jesus offers us his body and blood in the Eucharist. So, and I think the bishops are saying, okay, let's not just complain about this. Okay, I love complaining. I think many of us do, right? <laughs> but they're saying, let's put some activities out there. So let's try to stir up some missions in parishes and dioceses. In a sense, me and the 50 other priests who are these Eucharistic preachers, the bishops have just said, yeah, for these guys, they have some availability. Um, they have some training to be able to do this. So they say, let's not start a new program, but rather let's start some fires and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Mm, fantastic. And 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 you're seeing that uh, rekindling, I, I imagine, in, in parishes and out in the field where you visit. Again, I think in this strange time we live in, yeah. we have a kind of, you know, new appreciation for live in-person events. Sure. Um, 50 years ago, we didn't call it that. We just called them events, you know, right. like that was the only thing we had. Now, again, I use the internet, you know, we're talking through a computer right now, which is right. <laughs> a great way to reach people. Yeah. But also, boy, as much as we can, those live events, you know, Eucharistic yeah. adoration, uh, mass, preaching, and then an opportunity for some fellowship afterwards. Mm -hmm. You know, I think people are hungering for that. Um, they're eager to be a part of it. So it's just been a joy to be involved. Well, my wife and I have signed up to attend the Eucharistic Revival next year, and we're very excited about it. We're going to make make the drive out. Um, are you part of the planning? And, and have you? Uh, are you? Um, what can you tell us a little bit about the agenda that's coming together? Sure. Um, you know, I can tell you, uh, I signed out a guest room at our Jesuit community in Indianapolis. So, mm -hmm. uh, again, you know, everywhere you want to be, it's nice to be part of this uh, sure. <laughs> global <laughs> religious order where I can easily uh, get a room. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think they're really putting the schedule together. There's going to be several uh, nationally known speakers who mm -hmm. have kind of the main stage and then a number of breakout sessions, um, as well as time for prayer, mass, uh, Eucharistic processions. For us Eucharistic preachers, they've kind of just told us, all right, fellas, like block out your schedules. We don't quite know what's going to happen yet, but be yeah. ready for action. So that's what I'm trying to do. That's exciting. That's great. And I understand that you have a new book, Love Him Evermore. And uh, I also understand that in some ways you wrote this 
specifically, as you were talking about before, to address some of the isolation and the exhaustion that people are feeling during some of these crazy times. Uh, and it's and it's a retreat, right? Tell us a little bit about your book. Sure. Yeah. Here's a little copy of it right here. So great. Yeah. Uh, Evermore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wrote this in kind of the early stages of COVID um, when. Okay. Well, there's one thing I knew I could do. All right. I can at least sit at my computer and, uh, you know, put down some thoughts here, but really it's based on retreats that I've given. Uh, it's tied into the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius Loyola, who's our Jesuit founder, his great mm-hmm. masterpiece, the, the spiritual exercises, mm-hmm. all Jesuit retreats are based on. And the hope was, um, to not just put some more wisdom out there. Okay. The wisdom of the saints, certainly good. But to say, all right, yeah, and folks can do this as a retreat, um, a retreat in daily life. As, of course, during the pandemic, retreat houses are closed. A lot of events uh, are not happening. But we can still pray, right? The Lord's with us no matter where we are. And guided by St. Ignatius, um, I offer a little reflection each day tied into a scripture passage. Often it's a a gospel reflection where we can encounter Jesus, the Lord, walking with him in his own mission. And then also this sacred heart image is really uh, the central image. Um, Mm -hmm. My own heart and awareness. Where do I need healing and forgiveness? Where's my heart burning with love? And the Lord might want to share that flame with others through my own life and work. Mm -hmm. So it's been a lot of fun. I've gotten a a good response from it. Um, I guess not to toot a horn here, but I, I want a silver medal. I saw that. Yes. Uh, yeah. The Catholic Spirituality Award. Um, yeah. Book publishing. So that was. Uh, Congratulations. That's awesome. We'll make sure we put an, a note uh, or link rather in, in the show notes so that people can can check out your book. Uh, I, is it is it focused kind of is it kind of multi-generational or is it or is it is kind of for everybody? Yeah, that's my hope is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you're between, I don't know, 12 and 92, it should probably sure. work for you. That's a good range. <laughs> <laughs> you know, again, I've, I've yeah. taught high school. I tried to keep them in mind. Also young adults um, yeah. and, and regular adults as well. Sure. Father, I'm, I'm curious as I hear you talking about your work with young people. What are, you know, as adults, what can we do to support them in their faith today? Because you're, you're hearing their concerns firsthand. You're, you're working with mm-hmm. them in, in, in the trenches, as it were. Tell us a little bit about um, how, how we as adults of all ages can support our young people and, and nurture their faith. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, two things come to mind. I'll say pray for them and listen to them. Yeah. Um, you know, prayer is powerful, right? This is Jesus, yeah. who is the original apostle of prayer, right? Mm-hmm. Teaching us to pray, uh, loving us, blessing us. And then, you know, to kind of lead with our ears, right? So, okay, I'm 45. I've been a priest for uh, over a decade now. A real joy and honor. You know, some of us adults, we can tend to a little bit too quick want to offer advice or fix problems. Sure. There's a place for that, but also, you know, first really hear them out, you know. Um, in fact, how is God at work in their life? Where are they finding joy, grace, wisdom? Mm-hmm. What are some of their struggles? Uh, what are some of their hopes? You know, once you kind of let them start telling their story, then often enough, yeah, they want to bring you in. They want to hear some of your own experience, some of your insights. Um, that can happen one-on-one through you know, grandparents, hey, invite your grandkids out for breakfast. Like they all like to eat, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And once the food's flowing, the coffee's flowing, usually the conversation uh, comes sure. right behind that. Yeah. So, you know, I think that prayer and listening are uh, important keys that I've found. Excellent. And 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 um, and as you were speaking, I was thinking also some of my friends, you know, were were parents of young adults or maybe just adult adults. <laughs> and um, maybe our children aren't practicing the faith or, or maybe, you know, they've fallen away from the church. Um, how can we, uh, aside from prayer, which is obviously the first thing that we should do, mm-hmm. any advice on uh, on how to work with our kids or interact with our kids who aren't kids anymore and, and are making adult decisions about their life, but maybe aren't finding that same strength in their faith that we were hoping they would, or maybe not that we had for ourselves at their age? Absolutely. Um, you know, those friendly invitations can yeah. go a long way, right? Mm-hmm. And again, that it's tied into my own experience to say, hey, I, for instance, I pray the rosary every day. Would you like to pray with me even just a decade of the rosary? Or sure. I go to adoration once a week at my parish. Do you want to come with me sometime? You can just sit there quietly. You might appreciate the peace and you know, maybe the Holy Spirit will move your own heart when you're there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come to mass and then, you know, you can sweeten the deal and then we're going to brunch afterwards. You I know, love it. Like, Food uh, works. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus does that, right? He feeds us with uh, <laughs> bread and fish on the mountaintop, uh, offers us his body and blood in the mass. Yeah. Again, those friendly invitations. And again, know your audience, right? Like if you get too pushy, they might push back or back away. But if it's warm and friendly, I think they're going to appreciate that and respond. Absolutely. Uh, Father, one of the things uh, you spoke about was the sacred heart. And I know the sacred heart is at kind of at the root of the Jesuit spirituality. I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about um, how we as lay people can approach the sacred heart in prayer. Mm-hmm. Amen. Again, I got a pretty great job, you know, I get yeah. to fly around the country <laughs> talking about the love of Jesus poured out in his sacred heart and in the Eucharist. Uh, so Young guys looking for a vocation, give me a call. Uh, This is a pretty great one. You know, starting off just with our own hearts, right? Like, I really have a beating heart right now. You know, hey, audience, if you're out there, just for a moment, put your hand on your own heart. Just notice your heartbeat. You know, in a way, it requires a moment of quiet, right? Like, oh, yeah, my heart is beating. Like, I'm rushing around doing all the things in the world, but okay, I really have a heartbeat. Um, I am alive. That's a good start, right? All right. I'm breathing. My heart is beating. Okay. Uh, You know, with the Holy Spirit and a little bit of coffee, I can probably conquer whatever's coming my way today. Okay. That heartbeat, you know, there's a physical aspect to it. And so often tied into this imagery is, yeah, the emotional side too. Well, gosh, how is my heart right now? Am I feeling peaceful and joyful? Am I feeling anxious, hurt, upset? Then we can look to the sacred heart of Jesus and notice, actually, he goes through that whole range of human emotions in the Gospels. We see Jesus in moments of great joy, celebrating with his friends, blessing little children. We see Jesus, yes, in moments of sorrow, weeping over the death of his friend Lazarus. You know, and there, that's where the invitation starts, right? So, my own experiences, my own joys and sorrows. Well, Lord, I can be drawn into your heart. I can unite my experience with your heart. 
As I unite my joys with his, they might be expanded and multiplied. As I bring my sorrows to Jesus, in fact, you know, they might feel dissipated in a good way. I might feel not so alone in my struggles. Even, you know, this one's uncomfortable, right? But okay, we all get angry sometimes. Um, I drive in Milwaukee, so that is sort of a guaranteed near occasion of sin, just getting behind the wheel. <laughs> okay, we see Jesus in moments of anger, right? Okay, now it's a righteous anger with him, okay, flipping over tables as people disrespect his father. Jesus upset and troubled when people disrespect the poor and the weak. Okay, well, here too, okay, Lord, I can unite my heart with your heart, even in my frustrations, so that it's not just complaining and, uh, you know, depression, but rather, Lord, maybe you can purify my anger. Maybe you can bring this energy into a holy direction, if that's deeper prayer, if that's active service for those in need. So, you know, I love it. Um, he has a beating heart right now. Like, this is not a symbol. Like, he has a risen body with a beating heart. I have a beating heart. You know, just to kind of <laughs> reflect on that as I hear the Gospels, to consider his heart, um, I think it's just endlessly fascinating and fruitful. Um, you know, it also reminds me of just um, the need for adoration and the need for um, drawing close to the real presence of Christ, which I think is obviously at the core of the Eucharistic revival and reminding ourselves that Jesus isn't that far away. He's always, he's, he's right there whenever we need to call him or whenever we need to receive him in, in, in the Eucharist, that, um, that is, if we can avail ourselves into that kind of habit, we find that joy and we find that peace that we're looking for. Amen. Um, Milwaukee has a, a beautiful event every Wednesday. I was there last night, so we're recording this on a Thursday. Mm -hmm. It's called Koryezu. Now, I did not start this, but I'm happy to participate and support it. Mm -hmm. It's a young adult event. Every Wednesday, they have an hour of Eucharistic adoration with confession and then mass afterwards. Mm. Okay, this is a fully optional event, right? Okay, it's not a holy day of obligation on your typical Wednesday. They get 100, 200, 300 young adults. Wonderful. Who come. Wow. I'm happy to hear confessions. Um, and there's some friendly socializing afterwards, you know. We have these Catholic dating apps, but sometimes doing it in person is uh, fruitful too. <laughs> sure. Also, the vocations that have flowed out of this, um, folks who encounter the living Jesus in the Eucharist and feel drawn to offer their own hearts to him uh, in religious life or priesthood. Yeah, I think there is this real hunger for, for peace, for communion that Jesus wants to offer to us. I couldn't agree more. Well, Father, uh, thank you so much for spending some time with us today uh, on our podcast. It was so great to learn more about the Pope's Worldwide Prayer Network. And I will leave a link to that and to uh, your book. And to your, I know you have a personal webpage, so I'll put that out there as well. But I encourage everybody to check out Love Him Evermore and, uh, and avail yourself of Father Joe's wonderful skills and, and talents. And I'm just so grateful for spending some time with you today, Father. Amen. Gosh, thanks so much and uh, blessings to all of our listeners. Thank you so much. God bless. You too. Well, that's our show this week. I want to thank you, our listeners, for joining me on today's show. I hope that you found this conversation valuable and that it will inspire you in some way 
to take action and advance the mission of our church. And if this is your first time listening to Advancing Our Church, I hope you're going to stick around and subscribe. You can find us on all places where you download your favorite podcasts. You can find us on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. And for more information about our show, please visit our fully restored website at advancingourchurch.com. A big shout out to my wife, Kristen, for helping me to restore that website. I could not have done this without you, honey. I love you so much. Once again, many thanks to our sponsor, Changing Our World. You can find a link to their website in the show notes of this episode. Well, that's it for me, everybody. Take care and God bless.